everyone. Wow, it has been a while. How are we all doing? Are you guys still out there? I am so excited to be back with you all today. And don't worry, as always, I am locked and loaded with all the updates. So sit back, crack your favorite beverage, and welcome back to Keeping Up With Kennedy. So when we left off last time, this March, I was living in Atlanta and just getting adjusted to a new job and generally doing pretty well. Well, here we are today and everything has changed. This is part of the reason we need this podcast to keep up. So one thing led to another in Atlanta and after one of the actual craziest weeks of my life, centering around the savvy provisions in Buckhead around mid-August this year, I ended up walking into work one Thursday morning with donuts and said to my clinic manager something along the lines of, hey, so I've got to move and I've got to do it now. I'm thinking about flying out and leaving this weekend. It wasn't exactly those words, but it was honestly kind of all a blur because I was so insanely nervous to tell her that I was trying to dip ASAP and she then asked me point blank, well, do you want to be here? And after looking at the schedule and being honest with not only her but with myself about if I truly wanted to stay there at that moment in time and with everything else that was going on in my life that past week, I clocked in at 9am that morning and left promptly at 9.05 and never looked back. Now as a disclaimer, I want you all to know that I did in fact weigh the pros and cons and the logistics of this decision over the course of that crazy week, so please don't think it was too much on a whim, though I am prone to impulsive decisions. Now, the concept of not giving a two-week notice had me so nervous to bring up the topic of me leaving that I think I was actually shaking that Thursday morning. However, looking back, this company never actually had me sign an employment contract or anything with them, so I wasn't actually held to giving a notice within a specified time frame or paying back my sign-on bonus or anything of that nature like I was at my previous job before that. So we're just going to take that oversight on their part as a big win for the home team, if you know what I mean. My clinic manager was also so unbelievably understanding and cool about me just walking in one day and abruptly announcing my departure out of nowhere. She pretty much just told me, your life is your life, Kennedy. You have your whole life to work. I'm really excited for you and go have fun. Something to that effect. And with that, we closed another chapter. Now, I'll probably update you all on all my late-night adventures in Buckhead at the Savvy Provisions, Dantana's, Phipps Plaza, Comedy Night, waking up at 2.30 a.m. to go get pizza at Gino's, and then watching Back to the Future at 4 a.m. until my alarm went off to go to work at 6 a.m. Being the riddle master and everything else that happened that fateful Freaky Friday week in August at some point. But I honestly don't think you guys would believe me or understand half the things that happened. And part of me just wants to keep the experience what it was with the people who were involved. So we'll save those stories for when the time is right. So with that all being said, what am I up to now? What are we keeping up with? So before I left Georgia for good, I knew I had to go visit my adopted sea turtle, Lil Diggity, before he was all grown up and got released into the Sargasso Sea to be with all his friends. And for anybody who doesn't know, the Georgia Sea Turtle Center on Jekyll Island has a program where you can personally adopt one of the turtles that they're rehabbing at the center. And when I went there for the first time last year, I fell in love with Lil Diggity and signed the adoption papers right then and there. (laughs) 
And because I am such a proud sea turtle mom, I've got to brag a little bit on Little Diggity. So here's part of his paperwork and part of his story. On June 29th, 2022, a female loggerhead sea turtle laid Little Diggity's nest. It was Shuckle Island's 170th nest. After incubating for almost two months on August 23rd, our sea turtle patrol team noticed animal tracks and signs of digging near the nest. The patrol team discovered the tracks were from a raccoon. Raccoons are natural predators of sea turtle eggs and hatchlings. A screen covering the nest protected it from the hungry raccoon. While the patrol team was examining the nest and the nearby area, they found nearly 100 tiny sea turtles ready to leave the sand and start life in the ocean. The hatchlings were active and using up precious energy stores. Since the hatchlings were so active, the patrol team received permission to help the hatchlings out of the nest. Most hatchlings were healthy and crawled down the beach into the water. Some hatchlings were not as strong, including Lil Diggity. The patrol team brought Lil Diggity to the Georgia Sea Turtle Center for care. And so basically they just kind of rehab him at the center and make sure he's a good enough swimmer, you know, to make it out in the sea like a healthy adult turtle. So that's what Lil Diggity's up to. I think he's about to be released, so that's pretty exciting. I'm very proud of him. So after I felt like my life in Atlanta had been completed by reuniting with my sea turtle son, I hopped on a flight that Sunday to... Boise, Idaho. That's right, your girl has found a new home in the land of potatoes. Just kidding, there's a lot more than potatoes here, and I really do think Idaho is one of the country's best kept secrets, so keep it on the down low. I actually had a little stint in Boise in the height of the pandemic in the summer of 2020, and we had a great time. I feel like I can come clean and release this information now, but it was so frowned upon at the time, and I was in a medical program filled with people who would secretly report all your business to the faculty, and I knew I had to keep my trap shut about this one. But we actually had a quarantine formal at our house that we just made up with all of our friends where we dressed up and had a huge party while the rest of the country was in lockdown. So Idaho didn't really care. Like we were still out at suds getting dollar beer night every week and everything was pretty wide open for the most part in the summer of 2020. So good times. I'm now back and living with six guys and two dogs and I can truly say that I'm very happy. So if anyone listening to this is from Boise, please reach out. I'd love to grab drinks or something sometime. Now the next logical question that might be on your mind, what the heck am I doing in Idaho? Well, I personally feel like the first year of my career was kind of just me fumbling around trying to figure out what my strengths are and what I really like and actually want to do. I think I found something really promising here that fits me, my personality, and my clinical interests with a new job specializing in the conservative management of scoliosis. I'm actually flying out to Wisconsin next month to get certified in the Rego concept that's based on the Schroth method through the Barcelona Scoliosis Physical Therapy School. So I'm super excited about that. Now, I think this is a good spot to transition into today's research topic of effort moralization. I'll be discussing information from a recent article published in the Journal of Experimental Psychology from UC Irvine and the University of British Columbia here. So if you want to read the original source, it will be linked in the description of this episode. So effort moralization basically refers to the idea that we often see people who work hard as more moral and virtuous than those who put less effort in. For example, with any given task, we often see the underdog or the person who had to work harder to get an A on that test as more moral or virtuous than the person who still got the same result and aced the test, but only studied half as hard and didn't put as much effort in. In a 12-minute TED Talk I listened to that I'll also link in the description and highly recommend, social psychologist Azim Sheriff, who is one of the authors of the research article, drives this concept home. Cross-culturally, we have this general idea that people who work hard are morally good. 
This concept can become dangerous in society when we value effort itself over what it produces. Sheriff uses an example that we are more likely to support a friend who runs a marathon to support cancer research than a friend who binge watches Sex in the City for the exact same cause. Now both are producing the same result, but whose effort do we value more? Many people use their job or their career as their path to self-actualization, and that's fine. The concept of this workism is a culture in itself because we are all forced to participate in it. I mean, you have to go get a job, you've got to go to work, you've got to put food on the table and a roof over your head somehow, and the broader culture most appreciates us when it sees us doing hard work. This work can be meaningful when it serves a purpose. So what's the purpose of your effort? So much of our effort in both our personal and professional relationships is built on establishing our own moral reputations. Have you ever stopped to think about how much of what we admire in others is effort-driven? Like, oh yeah, I know Lindsay, she is such a hard worker. And we speak highly of her simply because of this single quality. We saw her studying all night. She must be a good student. Or practically, is the real good student the one with a more efficient study strategy than staying up all night? What is our marker for? good. Sheriff says that we, quote, wear workaholism as a badge of honor, as a way to reassure people that we are a good person, even if that person you're just trying to reassure is yourself. So how do you find your true purpose outside of your work and your achievements and ultimately your effort? This is something I've really been reflecting on and putting work into over the past two months as I've been in yet another transitional period of life. I think the first step in finding purpose outside your career is to know your why. If you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, it's meaningless. You also have to be honest with yourself and ask yourself the hard questions and call yourself out when you need to be. For example, I got into my career because I want to help people. Great. One question I've been digging deep into with myself lately is how do I help other people outside of my career? Like, yeah, I went into healthcare because I want to help people. And that's great. And honestly, that's enough for a lot of people. Over the past two months, I've been able to really take a step back and look at my own personal resume outside of the one that I format in the margins and attach to school and work and volunteering and everything. And when I stripped myself down to my core, I had to be honest with myself and say, I don't think I'm the type of person yet who reflexively seeks out opportunities to help people. I think I'm relatively consistent and skilled at helping people in situations where people come up to me for help first, but I don't think I've personally been consistent in seeking out the uncomfortable situations, in seeking out the people who really need not necessarily me personally, but who just need someone to be there and to listen or to get them a sandwich and a coffee and ask how their day is going or whatever the situation may be. I don't think I'm yet the person who is not only able to accurately decipher a need that someone is repressing, but also reflexively acts on that need in a manner that makes that individual person feel understood, connected, and truly cared for in the way that they need. Now, I'm not saying I don't ever do these things or that I'm not capable of them or that I don't do them because I believe that my motives are true and good and that I can get to that point. But what I found out about myself is that I don't think I do this reflexively yet. It only takes a split second of hesitation to make you miss the bus sometimes, you know? And regardless of whether or not my intentions are good, intention without action means nothing. Now that I've had the luxury of time to really reflect on this, it's time for me to take some action and form some new habits. So if you relate to all of this in any way, or just want to experiment with yourself in this arena too, join me in trying to seek out one new person each day to help in some way. Because that's what it all boils down to. 
And these days with so much going on in the world and so much to do and just juggling being alive in this day and age, it's easy to forget the bigger picture sometimes. There's a quote from Vishen Lakiani that says, quote, the most extraordinary people in the world today don't have a career. They have a mission, end quote. You know how almost every company and business out there has a mission statement? Something that unites everyone together and drives them toward a common purpose and goal. Have you ever thought about your own personal mission statement unassociated with your work or job? A good mission statement defines your values, ethics, fundamental goals, and agenda. It lets people know who you are, what you stand for, and why you're here. It's your first impression to others and reveals insights about your personality, character, and identity. When I was thinking about my own personal mission statement and that for this podcast, I had a lot to think about. What are my core values as a human? What is my intent with my existence? Real existential stuff like that. So for this podcast, I wound up coming up with this mission statement. Sharing experiences, opinions, and truth with listeners in a thought-provoking way to inspire them to get in the driver's seat and make the world a better place, all while having a little fun and embracing each other's differences. I feel like this accurately describes what we're doing here, why we're doing it, and how we're going about it. I was debating on a name change here with this rebrand, but since I got Keeping Up With Kennedy trademarked last October, I decided to keep it. At the end of the day, if you're keeping up with me, I'm keeping up with you. And we're all keeping up with each other. That's how it works over here on this corner of the internet. But there's only so much you can all learn from me, from the simple concept of keeping up with Kennedy, you know? And what I personally need to work on is learning more from you guys. I want to use this platform as a vessel to have conversations with guests that are going to push us all forward together. If you look back on any of my previous episodes thus far, I hope that with some of the things that I've shared about myself and in the way that I keep having to take breaks, make mistakes, learn grow, and come back as a better person, that you realize that this podcast is a safe space to mess up, and more importantly, to talk about it when you do. So where do we go from here? I'm currently seeking guests for the podcast from any and every walk of life. So if you want to chat, if you have a funny story, if you want to spread awareness about a specific topic that you're passionate about, if you want to give us all your life story, or if you have anything else in mind, please reach out to me via DM on Instagram at keepingupwithdr.com. Kennedy to come on the podcast. I would love to have you whatever part of the world or time zone you're in. My biggest goal for this podcast moving forward is to be a place where we can all learn from and keep up with each other. Now don't think I forgot. I know we still have our regular segments of where are they now? And my dad the life coach. to get to still. I'm thinking about cutting these segments for now, unless we have any special requests or questions from you guys. So if you want an update on someone's whereabouts, or if you'd like some verified dad life advice, please reach out to me and I will happily oblige. Otherwise, we'll see you next, next Monday. Monday.